This is RebelNet Radio with your host T.E. Parker and Joe Splatro. Boy, that T. Welcome to the party of parties. That is the worst beginning song we've ever had, and we've had some really bad ones. We have a burger in paradise, Joe. Hopefully, that's what we got. Welcome to RebelNet Radio, episode 83, I do believe. 83 times we've taken the air. And 83 times, we're going to hit a home run. Okay. <laughs> so welcome, everybody. We, uh, we got a lot to talk to, talk to you about tonight. Um, it's been a little while. I think the last time we were... Predi- about two weeks before the Super Bowl. Predicting the Super Bowl winner. Yeah. I think I had the Patriots. I don't recall. You had the Browns. Browns, Unfortunately. Yeah. You yeah. made you made that choice, mm-hmm. and we had pretty interesting. <laughs> Not really. last few weeks. Oh, last few weeks. I yeah. thought you, I thought you were going to say season. Last few weeks, yes. No, not not quite the season, but the last few weeks have been rather interesting. Uh, Rebels concluded the season at home at the Thomas and Mac with another Mountain loss West tournament. San Diego State nipped them again. I was just thankful that we didn't tack on to the number of double-digit losses that we've had because we had quite a few. I, I think we'll get into that. I, yeah, it's, it's one of our key stats. I, you, you know what? You I'm still aggravated. I'm still aggravated about that season, the season before, and the season before. I'm not happy, T. Okay. Well, there's nothing to make you happier, especially at lunchtime, than a cheeseburger. <laughs> Pile into a big cheeseburger. Little uh, lettuce, tomato. Yeah. TJ Otzen, Otzel Burger. Otzel Burger. Yeah. Not Otzen, Otzel. Otzel. Yeah. I, I always want to say Otzen Burger. I know, so do I. But uh, he's an Otzel Burger, and he's our new he- Rebels coach. I'm, I'm actually very excited. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fine with the whole under the radar guy. Um, everything that I've read and heard uh, has been very positive about him as a person and a leader of a basketball program. Obviously, the only thing that really scares me is if he does well here, he ain't staying he, here long. Th- that's a bridge you have to cross when you get to it, though. Um, you can't worry about things that might happen four years down the road. If if he does well enough here, that he's called away by a bigger, better school, um, you. You know, then we're in a better position be, than yeah, we are in now. A better spot, so you, you can't even worry about that kind of stuff. I mean, if because if that's the case, then you then we still have Dave Rice as our head coach because you know he wasn't going to go anywhere. Well, I do but, know that he could uh, leave his snow shovel at home. Yes, back in South Dakota yes. before he uh, oh, comes out here and finds a home. Oh yeah, uh, pretty cool introduction press conference. Yeah, his, his press conference I thought getting was off was, the helicopter. And, yeah, that's too cheesy for me, but um, it, it is too cheesy. But, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, I mean, Menzies did the limo at the fan jam before 14 fans comes out in his limo at the Sam Boyd Stadium. Wow. You know, the, to me, that's all cheese and showmanship. Whatever. I don't put much stock in I it. I doubt that but, was his idea. But, but, yeah, I doubt it was, too. You do but, what you but, do. But I, th- I thought his press press conference was good. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought he was pretty sincere and, and uh, 
I don't think he said said things that fans wanted to hear just because he thought that's what fans wanted to hear. I just think he thinks some of the right things. Um, you know, there's going to be question marks with any hire, whether it's a proven hire. You know, we could have, we could have brought in a big name, and we're still going to have question marks about like, well, sure, you know, can he do the long travel? You know, to these different places, can so he you keep, still want to recruit? Yeah, that's Las Vegas. Can he, you know, can can he monitor the kids twenty four hours a day? Will his style translate here? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's going to be questions with every single coach you have, and with with uh, TJ, there's you know probably a few more questions because he is more under the radar and more unknowns about him. But that doesn't mean they're going to turn out bad. I mean, the one thing I do like is um um. Our three-point streak, which we sat with clenched should cheeks be, should for be the last three years, we should be fine. Game. Yeah, we shouldn't have to worry about our three-point. But um, I, we're going to see a lot of three-pointers in his system, and we're going to see a lot of three-pointers made. I don't mind it if you shoot a lot of three-pointers as long as you have three-point shooters. Uh, unfortunately, with the rendition of the Rebels we've had the last few years, we shoot a lot of three-pointers, and we don't make many. Mm-hmm. And that makes for just ugly basketball. A lot of offensive rebounds, though. Pad, pad yeah. those stats. Yeah, pad those stats. No, I, I really like the, the philosophy that he plays with. Um, he kind of has taken that whole <clears throat> NBA vibe of spread the floor out, shoot a lot of threes, make a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they push the ball, they get open looks quick, and they take them. Um, I, I think... We've always looked at each other, Joe, which is funny, and said how happy we'd be. Now, granted, this is after the Tark years and all that, but how happy we'd be with a team like Loyola Marymount here. In terms of style, it's absolutely entertaining. We would if be, you, we'd have so much fun at the game. If you score 90 points a game, it's, it, style has gone down on my, my list of priorities with Rebel Basketball, but that's because we're so far removed from what Tark did here. So sure. you start, you're, you're more willing to cave on certain things. I mean, I certainly don't want to grind it out team that like San Diego State and win 49 to 46. I don't, mm. I mean, it's just not a style of basketball I like. Would I take it if it means wins? If we if we got Mick Cronin, that's what we'd have, we would have gotten. Would I have been fine with it? Yeah. But, but the fact that this guy likes to run and get quick quick shots up and shoot a lot of bombs... It uh, it kind of reminds me of that that style that Loyola played, not nearly as fast. No, no, no I, I think South fast. Dakota State played a little bit of defense. No, so did I, don't, Iowa State. I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't think they did. I think that's probably what, the, the, the biggest question mark. Actually, well, you know, how can you get these guys to defend? Um, well, remember, they didn't have the greatest athletes in the world either. There, no. So, um. Sometimes and and they probably didn't have the greatest depth either. So sometimes you gotta. I, I'll be honest. I other than looking at stats, um, I don't know a lot about their program. I know I did catch one game and and I, I think it was against uh, Reno UNR, and they battled UNR much better than we did. Um, and I think they lost by like four or five points, and they they battled them. I really like you know? the Dom kid. Well, he was good. I mean, he, he was, was good, really good. And they, they got another really good guard on their team who. David just, Jenkins. He just announced he was on the market. Yeah. So hopefully UNLV could get him. Hopefully that was a good relationship. He was a high-scoring guard. Um, shot lights out. Shot lights I mean, out. Averaged like 19 points a game. 103-pointers um, in his first two years. Yeah, that's and I, I, I believe that But Hardy and 
who else in Tomboy were our top three point shooters in terms Coming of mates. Back, yeah. And they were they hit about sixty, I think, last year, somewhere thereabouts. Is that right? Combined. No, no, not oh, combined. Each. Each. But okay. still, for a guy to hit a hundred, that just I mean that Anderson Hunt was hitting about a hundred three pointers a year, if I'm not mistaken. I'd I'd really have to look at the the stats, but I believe Anderson Hunt was right in that Ooh. range. So Kid's scoring 19 points a game, and he's hitting that many three-pointers. Um, yeah, you want him on your team. Um, granted, he did it in the Summit League, but I don't care. Yeah, and and the recruits that that he had coming in and also looking at and pushing it hard uh, before he left South Dakota State, all, th- all three-point shooters. Yeah, so all, everybody on the team could shoot threes. That, that became apparent. I'm cool with that. I, yeah. I, I think it'll be fun. Yes. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be different than what we've seen because, quite honestly. And w- even different than, than Rice. And, and, and different than everybody. It's different it's, than Kruger. It's, it's a totally Kruger different didn't style. have a lot of shooters. No, he didn't. But, um, you know, after the last three years, we really – we never developed – any identity, nothing you could hang your hat on. We're, we weren't a good defensive team. We weren't a good offensive team. We weren't a great rebounding team. I mean, we didn't. We had size, but we, we weren't great inside. No. So it's it's like we, we were faceless with what we were attempting to do the last three years, except try to get it to win in time and steal one, basically. Right. And it, so it's a team without an identity. Now, if this team comes out with an identity that we're going to score a lot of paints, we're going to get up and down the floor, we're going to shoot a lot of three-pointers, at least that's something – you could look forward to, and you, you you know what you expect to see every game, mm-hmm. and and I think there's a comfort in that. You you whether it's your style or not, you could adjust to it just because you know what's coming. Right. I I'm looking forward to going to a practice. Yeah, yeah. And actually seeing him work. Yeah, it's. It, I'm glad they don't. We don't have the summer trip this year. Um, you get one of those every four years. Menzies had one his first year. I thought he should have postponed it that first year. I thought it was really stupid to use it that first year for that first team. Because yeah, because was it just to build some quick chemistry? But, I mean, well. You don't know. And if it was, what's it going to do? Get you a couple extra wins? You, you yeah, know, but at the time. It seemed like a waste. It seemed like something you hold for the second year. But anyway, um, in retrospect, I'm glad he didn't save it because then TJ wouldn't be able to take one until two more years because it's every four years. So. Um, we'll be able to take that next year, and I think next year will be invaluable because he'll have some some guys sitting out, some guys sitting out, and a, a year under his belt, and I think it'll pay huge dividends next year. So, um, you know, in his press conference, what excited me, there, there were a few things. Um, namely, I did like that he said that he expects to recruit at a high level and get some elite guys. Um, you know, we'll see if that's true or not. He he did he did end his his uh, press conference with saying, you know, words are words, and they may sound good, and we have got to prove it. Um, he he knows. I mean, it sounded like he knew he couldn't blow smoke up uh, rebel fans' asses, right? With his statement, like like I'm not snowing you. We're going to prove it. But these are the things. The other thing is that I liked that he uh, talked about was um, he intends on upping the scheduling. And you know. Yeah, that's very important. Um, you know how that stuck with me the last few years. Now, I don't know how much of next year's schedule is completed already by Menzies' staff. But we can bet it's going to be really weak, whatever he filled out, because that's just his MO. But there's usually a few slots left. And you might be able to buy out a game or push it to the next year. Well, we play at Cincinnati. We got Illinois yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um Good games. Yeah. Illinois is improving. They improved over the course of the well, year. They're going to be better next year. Yeah. I, I, so, I think Underwood's a good coach. We, we still need a couple more. Primetime games. Yeah. I think we play at BYU next year. Mm-hmm. 
Or maybe hopefully we get it like the Delta Center or something like that. Right, no, nah, play them on the road. Who cares? But uh, so I mean, th- those those were my main takeaways um, that he's going to schedule harder. And that one thing that was very very refreshing is you didn't hear him um, talk about needing time, even though he does need time. He didn't focus on it. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't even mention that he needs time. His expectations were to compete for the conference championship, mm-hmm. uh, to make the NCAA tournament, and to eventually challenge for national championships. Right. Now, I think that that latter part is just a pipe dream, but it doesn't matter. Um, if you don't have it, I agree. You got at shoot, all, you, you, then you're in the wrong profession. profession. Right, yeah, exactly. I agree. You, you've got to be you, the competitor, and you've got to jump out, and you've got to want to do those things. And the only way you're going to make the NCAA tournament with as weak as the Mountain West Conference has been is to go with a strong non-conference schedule. If you look at Utah State, who was picked to finish, what, seventh or eighth in conference, ninth, yeah. um, their out-of-conference schedule was in the top 40 this year. Now, conference play dragged it down to about 100 overall strength of schedule. Um, when you look at the at-large teams, if you're worse than 100, you're shot because of how it plays on the RPI yeah, and all that. You, you have to have... So many wins that they cannot say exactly. It gives you no. very little wiggle room, right? If 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 you're near a hundred, you can't lose games that you're supposed to win. Um, so you know that's one of those things where when he talks about scheduling, if you're going to make the NCAA tournament, unless you want to rely on those three days in March, four days in March of the Mountain West Conference tournament, which is a bad plan, uh, yeah. you need to schedule up, and that's something Menzies absolutely not only failed to do, but I mean. He flunked out in that area. Do you think, obviously, Big Sky basketball, which which is no summit, so they're in the summit. Excuse me, uh, but they're gonna they're gonna see Mountain West basketball. That's very big in those areas. Sure, um, if, if it's very big anywhere. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, not they're, sure. they're gonna have eyeballs. But on, I, I mean, you got Wyoming, you got sure. Colorado State schools like that up there. Um, do you think that was one of the things he saw a team like Reno? Uh, be able to be ranked in the top 10 to start the season and and have a, a, a solid squad and be right there for a, a chance at a high seed? Well, you know, d- depending on where you're coming from, I could see where this job is unattractive to an established coach because all you see is a bunch of challenges um, and unrealistic expectations, and I think those can be tough to tackle. For a guy that's coming where he's at, making the money he's making at, you can view it more as an opportunity. Right. Um if I can go down there and bring them back. Yeah, uh, I, I make a I name can, for myself and I could... I can write my own ticket. Yeah, pretty much. So, I, I mean, to, to somebody like him, I could see where the job would be attractive. I mean, you're going from South Dakota to, to Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, that's a big jump and his pay tripled about. But so, he has been a uh, assistant at, at some schools. At some big some schools, su- yes. Success. Yes. I mean, Iowa State under Fred Hoiberg. Right. Great gig. Um then goes to Washington, right? Does well there. Uh, so, I mean, he's under Romar, but besides, he that, he was somewhere else too. Was it with? Um, I'd have to look up his. Uh, I, I can't remember all these bios. I'm busy looking at recruits and all this, and everybody's <laughs> kind of getting jumbled together. And I don't take the best notes. I do know he was at a Iowa State before yeah. her Hoiberg got there. Hoiberg came and kept him on the staff. Right. Um, so that that was a that was a big deal for his growth as a coach and and having some stability and and really learning. 
Um, you know, the guy that I would have actually wanted second, well, Otzelberger wasn't my first choice, so I shouldn't say that. The guy that I wanted as my first choice, Who? Tim Miles. I thought he would have you know, added a I think awesome I, dimension to UNLV basketball. I heard, you know, in talking to people in the business that know him and all that stuff, and, and the thing is he's a terrific guy. It doesn't matter if you're a fan, if right. you play for him, if you're media, or if you're just Joe Blow in the city that doesn't even pay attention to college basketball. He's a normal dude, likable, great sense of humor. Everybody likes him. Kids love him. Yeah, the kids love him. Um he had moderate success in the Mountain West, good enough to go to, to where he went, but I don't know that he'd be a fit here. I, I really don't. I think the, I think the UNLV job is very, very so, difficult. I think those jokes and the good sense of humor, if things are going rough, they end up rubbing people the wrong way. Okay. You, you know what but I mean? Let, let me also say this. In this situation, what's what's the biggest, besides winning, what is the biggest thing that you have to do right now as a head coach. You got to win back fans. Correct. Absolutely. And that's and Tim Miles can do that. He can go I don't, out and shake I, hands. I, he, he can do that, but he's not going to. I think the most important, not, not the most important, but what one of the goals was, and it, it was a failure. I'm going to be honest with you. This doesn't mean TJ will be a failure, um, was selling tickets upon the naming of the yeah, coach. I know. I got that email too. What? What email? No, I'm talking when UNLV named a coach, you wanted to sell tickets immediately. Right. TJ's not going to do that. He's just not. He's not a big enough name. So even in Alford, who I absolutely positively did not want stepping foot on this campus, he would have sold some tickets just because of his name. Okay. Um, and I think because of where UNLV is with attendance and, and interest that um, – you know that was something that they that they were looking for, and and they they didn't get that. Yeah, so now now TJ's got to do it himself. You had to weigh it. Do you do you need a splash? You need or both. Do you, do you need you a need guy a, that can win some games and is going to be hungry to be here? You need both, but those cost about three million dollars if you combine the two. That's just the way it is. And a want of the other person to be here, right? I mean, it's a two way street. There's got to be interest, and there's got to be um, the money. It costs a lot of money to get a coach that's going to win, and can win the crowd. Like, for instance, if you're able to get a Patino here, he's perfect. Other than the NCAA troubles, he's a perfect fit. Style, personality. Mm -hmm. He's gonna. You're gonna sell ten thousand season tickets the next day, extra on top of what sure. we got. That's just and that's the. So you're talking twelve thousand at that point, huh? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, you're 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 making your money. That I mean, you're gonna pay for his contract in that first year just with increased ticket sales. That's just the way it is. Obviously, they couldn't touch him because of of all the crap surrounding them. But um, so, you, you know, and when Desiree came out in her press conference and she was talking about how much money they had and she was looking for somebody that could stand next to Gruden and 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 the Knights and... And hold your own. And, and hold your own. Didn't, you didn't do it. You, you know what is kind of interesting is I did talk about earlier about him leaving as soon as they won. But if this city is on fire in terms of sports and fan interest and all the above, this could be a very intriguing job. It it could be. I think if the UNLV job is right, it's decent. I just still think there's 
I, I don't know if we've ever went in depth with it on a podcast on the site. We go through it all the time. Um, UNLV as an institution, I don't care what anybody says. I've been watching basketball for a long, long time there. It's fundamentally flawed. The university, you probably have seen that, uh, you know, compared to like a Penn State, it's just not very well organized. It's not a unity. It's kind of disjointed with the way things are. It's just, it's it's not the best place right now. And I don't know what it takes to fix all that, to be honest. I think there's it, there's a lot that's wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, we always talk leadership and, and things like that yeah. is how we got to get it done. But, I mean, how many people have been through here? And it still doesn't uh, well, come that, out the way we we expect it to. And that's that's one of the things I think you know you know we can't afford a highline coach this that and the other, and we don't have the money. Well, you know the difference between the salary for an up and coming athletic director or a inexperienced or a low experienced athletic director and a seasoned athletic director is probably only a half million dollars. You know that money's easier to get than the money that it takes to get a great coach, an established coach. So maybe that's where UNLV should start. Um, I thought they had, they were on the right track many years ago. Um, I really, especially what, in retrospect, good? when Live and Good was here, he he had a different, from what I saw, a different type of vision. It was reaching out more to the fans. It was getting the fans involved. It was game day experience. It was it was more formula, uh, a more of a formula to to get interest up overall in everything. Uh, things were accessible, played enough good games. It just seemed like it was a lot of people in the department were on the same page and they were able to really reach out to the fans and make things better. And then of course it's up to Kruger to deliver. And you know, his last, you know, three, three years, four years he did. Mm -hmm. And that's when UNLV started to hit an uptick. And obviously um, live and good was there early for rice. And we saw, a fantastic um, increase in student participation. Mm -hmm. And we brought in some really good teams and we beat them. And it was very, very electric for those first couple of years of rice. And then live and good was gone and it, game day experience went to crap. The student involvement went to crap. A lot of things went to crap. Mm -hmm. um, of course it's up to rice to win enough games and keep interest up. But I, I, I think for an athletic uh, program to do well, the, the department it has to be a unity between the department and the staff and the fans yeah, you know I, what i mean everybody has to to work together uh as a cohesive unit and rather yeah. than you know if there's any distrust if there's any well i don't know what page they're on mm -hmm. um it, it can send send uh shock waves throughout all the all the different sporting yeah, teams and it, it's a it's and a fragile balance. You're, it really you're walking is. on eggshells, yeah, um, and not knowing where you stand with that athletic director, right? You're you're gonna have a really hard time in terms of having success and um, being able to facilitate the vision that you had coming in, right? Um, but that's. That is on the athletic director as much as anything else. Sure. I mean, when they hire somebody, they have to have a vested interest in working with them and building that program with them. Right. Um, 
I just I just don't think it's been a str- it's strong it's been strongest with live and good. Um, every athletic director, I mean, we go back to Tark. The athletic director sucked. Cavanero sucked. Hamrick wasn't all that bad. I wasn't crazy about him, but he wasn't he wasn't. Oh, the you worst. hated Hamrick. Uh, yeah, I did, but I thought he was stable at least. Uh, I, there were some things he did that I, I wasn't crazy about. I didn't, you know, we started playing those goofy nighttime games on weird days like Thursday night football games and obviously a lot of teams do that now but back then I wasn't crazy about that yeah but uh, you thought he was a Carroll puppet no Carroll was Carroll still there no he was under Ashley and I thought Carroll was gone by that no Carroll was with Cavanero and Cavanero was horrible Oh yeah, Kevin. so yeah there were and there were some other things I didn't like he was a he was a pompous jackass and he he just was he was yeah 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 what was it? He got mad that some people were sitting in front of him in Chicago. We had tickets in front of him for the first round of the NCAA tournament. And he wasn't too happy about that, but I guess he didn't know the people that he needed to know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, he just rubbed me the wrong way. But in terms of overall, yeah, I don't think he was great, but he's certainly better than like you know what we what followed with Tina. I mean, that, yeah, that was a disaster. Was I mean, she just totally screwed us, although she did pick a Final Four coach. She did? Yeah. We'll give her that. I mean, if we just Next, wouldn't have called him Chris Beard or Bird, Chris Bird. That that was Jessup was an idiot. That was bad. Jessup was an idiot. Okay. That that may have been the worst intro of a coach I've ever seen. So you call. Him I haven't the, seen one worse. You, you call him by the wrong name, and then you grill him. We spend ten minutes talking about the regions. Right. But, and the regions voted what, like nine to four or yeah, something like that. He, he shouldn't. Give a crap about no any regions. No, no. Well, the process has changed. That's been eliminated. So here we are, live and learn. It, I guess. it was a very uncomfortable day. Oh yeah, everybody was uncomfortable in that room. I think he the, looked around like, "What the? Yeah, why? The, uh, what am I? What am I doing, doing here? here? Why don't I just go to Texas Tech and make an Elite Eight in the Final Four instead of this horse crap? Yeah, maybe he win the national championship. Yeah, may, you know, he what? could be the next Tark. Yeah, maybe. Well, he picked him up on the side of the road in a dusty truck. That's true. In a pickup. That's true. He did tell that story that day. Bullshit. Even even more. Uh, Oddness at that press conference. Yeah, that story. Everything was odd. Everything. Like, it just didn't feel like okay. Uh, you know, maybe if UNLV would have structured his contract a little bit differently, like they did with TJ, where TJ has a large buyout in the first couple of years, and then and it diminishes over the period of time that he's here. And Beard only had a million dollar buyout. Who knows? And I remember everybody was like, "Oh, we got a million dollars to go by the next head coach." It was nothing. It didn't even pay for the losses. Marvin. It didn't pay for the losses at the gate that year. Uh, that has been uh, the thing that has disappointed me the most in, in the last three years is the lack of fan interest and the uh, apathy in the program. I mean, it's just. Have you ever seen it like this? I've been, even close not to even this. Close. How many games did you go to in the last three years? Honestly, per, actually, go to. Well, I can tell you how many I went to this year. How many? One. Last year. I don't think you went. Eight or nine. Oh, you did go to that many? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know I didn't miss one, and it was absolutely painful for me to be there. It felt like I would have rather had a colonoscopy mm. than be at the Rebel Games. And it, not necessarily because of the team, but to me, college basketball is about atmosphere. Right. 
And there was none. It was absolutely horrific, and there was nothing anybody could do about it at that point. What sold you on being a Rebel fan in the first place? That's 100%. It was the electricity that ran down my spine the first time I walked, walked down the steps in the Thomas Mack. Yep. The first first time I ever it watched helps. them play. It helps that they won. Was was the Iowa comeback in the uh, Elite Eight in 87, uh-huh. and just watching Mark Wade dominate and Gerald Patio knock down threes. Freddie Banks had something to do with it, and so did, so did Armin Gillian. Sure. But they were huge. Those two were the ones that stuck out yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. I was done. I was addicted to it, too. And and that's why when I see it like it is now, it almost feels like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels, it'd be like seeing an ex-wife after 30 years or something. It's just a bizarre feeling. Yeah, and she's fat and it, or, ugly. Yeah, and it's You're just, just wondering, like, why did I fall in love with you in yeah. the first place? Yeah, or it's just, um, it, it's, a, it's a bad feeling. I, and, you know, you want to get some of it back. And, and I, I don't know that fans are going to return until we start winning. I, his name isn't going to sell it. I don't think the style is going to sell it. You're going to have to, we've learned with Menzies that winning isn't necessarily the recipe because in our second year, we did okay in the non-conference. The problem is we played nobody, and people still didn't show up. You can't fool the fans here. You cannot beat up on Northwest Iowa State A&T mm-hmm. in 10 games and say, hey, we're 10-1 and one in the non-conference. We had our best Mountain West uh, conference season this year. Oh, stop Did you that. know that? Oh, stop that bullshit. Stop it. That's yeah. bullshit. You know it, and I know it. No, we did. Yeah, I know we did. How many? We how finished many? in what? Fourth place? Yeah. Fifth place? Fifth place? Fifth. Excuse me. Well, but. we tied with San Diego State, but most most wins since the Mountain West Conference started in two thousand. Yeah, but you also got to talk about how the Mountain West used to have fourteen games, <laughs> and then they went to sixteen games. I love it. And now they're eighteen games, and now they're the sixteenth rated conference. And now, Jeez, stop it. Can, can we also say there were eight free wins in conference? How how many uh, of those? Record-setting wins came against 500 or better teams. In conference or yeah. overall? in conference. None. <laughs> None. We, we, we beat all the bad teams except one. Twice. Air Force. Air Force, we split. Well, gave up, we gave up quite a few points against Air Force. 106. Oh, my Lord, 106 points. Yeah, the most they, they've scored since, like, 1998 against University of Denver. Mm-hmm. That was a good game. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> So, year two and three combined. Well, you know, I don't buy the bullshit with uh, year one doesn't count. It's a free pass. Uh, TJ's not saying that, so Marvin shouldn't be saying that, or he was saying that. So, two and ten this past year against teams that were above 500. This past year, yeah. And who who were those two teams? BYU and? Hawaii. Hawaii. Mm Mm-hmm. Those were the two teams that we beat that were above 500. And then we were 14 and 4 against teams below 500. Or 15 and 4, sorry. It ended up being 15 and 4 because we ended up 17 and and 14 in conference. Home losses in three years 27. 27 home losses. You expect fans to show up for that? 27. That's averaging nine a year. Nine a year. That's. Insane, isn't it? Or is it just me? And even if you if you give them that pass in year one, it's still fourteen losses in the last two years. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Tark didn't do that in his career. Well, you can't compare people to Tark. Well, I get I, that. Oh, well, yeah, Tark and was you nineteen years. But uh, 
How many how many twenty point losses this year? Two? Double digit losses? Eight? This year, yeah. In our losses, we averaged losing by twelve points a game. In our losses. Twelve points a game, T. And in the in the last three years we finished four and twenty in our last twenty five games combined. Yeah, so to, to yeah to end to end the season, it just shows you that the teams fizzled out. That that you know every so Dave Rice's teams fizzled out too. But not like this. This was I'm saying we we were amazing yeah. for the first two months of the season. I mean, year one everybody says it's a free pass, but what you seem to forget was we were ten and ten at one point, and it wasn't going great by any stretch. But we were at least, and we weren't competitive in a lot of those games, if you remember. I mean, you had mm-hmm. Kansas, Duke, you know, we got smoked. But we were ten and ten, and you know, and it wasn't until we finished the season one and eleven in conference that people said, "Oh, it's a free pass year. It's a free pass year." Well, the conference sucked. It didn't suck as much as it did this year, but yeah. So we ended year one winning one out of our last twelve games. Year two, we won one out of our last seven games, and year three, we won two out of our last five games. They faded hard down so, the stretch. It's terrible. The stat that sticks out to me is. We played 40 games in three years under Menzies against teams above 500 mm-hmm. and won 27% of those games. 11 and 29. 50 games versus below 500, and we could only win two out of every three of those games. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, the reason I put these stats together, I'm going to be honest, there was so much spin control out there. Um, well, that's leaving now. No, it, and, and I'm glad it's leaving. But, you, you know, I, once I heard we, we beat, I believe it was Boise, and his quote was, that's the best 11-win team in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly puked. Was that Sandler's quote or Marvin's Marvin. quote? Oh, okay. And to me, uh, that right there said it all. I mean, really, it's it's like what you're saying is you fans are stupid and you're going to eat this. And to me, it was it ended up being it felt like an insult. It, I don't best have, eleven win team in the country, and that was the last game of the year. Uh, <laughs> it, isn't that? I mean, isn't that a bad quote to be using when you struggle to beat somebody and say, "Well, that's the best eleven win team in the country." Come on, yeah. what kind of smoker? Uh, you know, I I just. I mean, look at the strength of schedule, Steve. Look at the in, – in year two, his second year, our non-conference schedule was 319. There's 351 teams. We had the 319th strongest schedule. No wonder we and won And still had our, our best RPI, though. Yeah. Well, that's probably because we won 20 games. <laughs> but you're going to win 20 games when you play nobody, right? Yes. I mean, isn't that the way it goes? And even this year, people, yeah, the schedule was better. But our non-conference RPI was 180, which still is nowhere near that 100 that I said it needs to be better than if you intend on making an NCAA tournament. Now, if his goal isn't to make the NCAA tournament in the third year. And you, then you blame don't, it on youth. And blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. Injuries, youth. But if you're, You don't need to be here if you're not trying to make the NCAA tournament. No. That's the way I look at it. There's there's no fans, doubt about fans that. Fans need to be reasonable and look for improvement and growth and things that'll um you know make 
you know, you just need some evidence, right? That yeah. you're, you're moving forward. And we were just stagnant. <laughs> we were stagnant. You have to, you, you have to be able to see it to know it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, now words are only part of the battle. So, uh, the, so Desiree had a, you know, she made the decision to let go of Menzies this year. And I, I guess it surprised some people, um, angered some people. Some people thought he should have got more time, this, that, and the other. And, um, I don't know. What, what did you think about it? I'll let you talk first because I have my own thoughts on that. No, I I think you had to pull the trigger when when it was pulled. Um, the lack of attendance, uh, just keeping him around to see if he could get a win, uh, get a a team to, um, you know, move up a little bit in the Mountain West standings and and maybe make some noise. I I, I think once you've lost the fans. Um, at that point, you, you can't really hang on to anything that's there. Right. Um, the lack of attendance was, was alarming. Uh-huh. I mean, UNLV has a good fan base. Uh, in terms of numbers, yes. It, it, it's a little bit skewed in terms of delusional. Uh, yeah. Um, but they do enjoy running Rebel basketball. Mm-hmm. And when they stop showing up and they they're speaking... Their actions are, are doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. And at that point, no matter how good he does, are those fans going to be won over? Right. And to me, that that was the main reason why y- you have to pull the trigger. You, ha- you have to just rip the cord and say, it- it's over, because we need another, we need a fresh start. And, and I thought, uh, in spite of a bumbling press conference that she gave when she let go of him, she did hit on a, really zeroed in on everything, is that she didn't have the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the best way to put it. Um, you know, the, I look at it two ways. Based on the results, should he have been fired? My answer is yes. I mean, he's, he... We were 500. The only reason we increased in conference was because the conference dropped from 9 or 10 to number 16. Right. We we moved up in conference because the conference fell, not because we got better. Um, year three team in terms of uh, quality or results was pretty comparable, if you want to know the truth, to year one. Mm-hmm. The difference? Yeah. No, it really was. There were some injuries and, and sure some youth and stuff like that. We know that. Right. But... The result, but the results weren't impressive enough to keep anybody around. Um, and and so, the fans saw that. I, I know, but what I'm saying is that there there were two reasons. I, I don't think he was fired for a lack of winning, even though I think that wore real thin real quick, and he he would have been on a hot seat regardless. Even if fans were showing up nine or ten thousand, mm-hmm. he'd be on the hot seat next year based on the results. But like you said, the fans not showing up at all. You know, you know, the announces always season or tickets sold. Right, which Tonight's is all attendance. season tickets. It's all season tickets plus walk-up. Well, they had very little walk-up. I mean, I walked up to games, and there's nobody in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get ticket scalpers sitting there saying, I got two tickets for $10 at center court, fifth row. You know, so the, the scalpers. Scalper? Did you call me a scalper? They um, Even they were aggravated. So, and I Even never, the scalpers were aggravated. Yes. Well, they couldn't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. T, I mean, they, they were announcing 9,000, and I'd say about, there were 
there were three games that popped out. You were at one of them. Mm-hmm. The one game you went to. San Diego San State, State, Cincinnati, and... And Reno. Mm-hmm. Now, and BYU at that T-Mobile. No, that wasn't that big of a crowd. No. But it was okay, but it was, it, it was probably the fourth biggest yeah. of all the crowds. Call those the four big crowds. And in each of those, I, it was almost half opposing fans. To, and I'd say those crowds were about five or 6,000. I'd say the typical crowds were between two and 3,000. I think there were a couple games. I mean, I took pictures, and I started, you know, just estimating, just counting sections and how many people and trying to average it out. And you know, There were some games where we had 1,500. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, even if you're winning 30 games a year and, if, you're, and you're only drawing 2,500 to 3,000, there has to be a change made. There has to be. Because the biggest, they're your customer. If your customer's not buying anymore, you got to get right. You got to change the product. It's right. just the way it is. A hundred percent. And now, a lot of people say, "Well, three years is too quick." Um, I agree that traditionally it is too quick. I mean, California just parted with Viking Jones after two years. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it looks like that's becoming more. And more regular, getting rid of coaches before the five years. It's happening all over the place. Um, uh, coaches have to be alarmed by it. There's no stability in the coaching fraternity anymore. A lot of people are letting go of people. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, he deserved a fourth year. Well, when I look at but it. But if you win big quick, you're also going to leave as a coach. Mm-hmm. So, I, mean, I know. Our it's, coach currently spent two years at South Dakota State. I, I understand. I understand. It's a, it's a very unstable landscape college basketball it really is unless you're an established blue blood that's you know final uh, an elite eight team every year yeah calipari with yeah. his lifetime contract so but you know some people say well he deserved year four and when i when i look at it and i look at the roster um you know there was a stretch of games i think 12 13 games where UNLV shot the ball very very well from three and we looked dynamite mm-hmm. um as it turned out we ended up the 211th best shooting three-point shooting team in the nation which is terrible so we were shooting a lot of threes. We got hot for a while, but we missed an awful lot of threes. It was a real bad offense. It was just jack up threes from wherever you are, whenever you want. And in spite of that, when you look, two of our best three-point shooters, Noah and Chris, are gone. Are gone. And they shot above our team average in terms of percentage. The next highest was in Tomboy and Hardy. Mm-hmm. And we replace them with two freshman guards, and freshman guards don't come in and play a lot. I mean, uh, Hamilton was highly rated, and he barely played. So, you know, freshmen don't come in and make a huge impact. So right. what I'm saying is we're going to have essentially two shooters next year. Mm-hmm. Things things were not uh, – well, you know, I, I take that back. There could have been some late signees. There could have been a transfer. You, you sure. don't know. Fifth but, year. But, but we were already two over the scholarship limit, so I don't know what the hell we were going to do. Anyway, so next year didn't. To me, it did not look better. I mean, he was going to have to do pull the same smoke and mirrors out and schedule nobodies and try to get to 20 wins by playing a bunch of teams that, that, that can't dribble and chew bubblegum at the same time. And I know, speaking for myself and a lot of fans, I didn't want to see that type of basketball to Thomas Mac. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, yeah, you want a few warm-up games like that. But you don't want half of your conference, non-conference slate filled with teams like that. Do you? It's, it's terrible. And then when you lose to them, like Valpo and LMU and oh. Bucknell, and it it just just wasn't good, and the fans weren't fooled. Thank not, thankfully, 
Not at all. And, you know, they didn't even really protest. It wasn't like an organized protest. Let's get rid of this guy. They just, they got so apathetic that everybody just turned away one by one and turned their back on the program. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that they bothered. I don't think a lot of them even bothered following to see how they did. Right. They were just like, I'm done with it. And, and you're, and so I don't, I don't think Desiree had a choice in the matter. I mean, I, so, so I think it was, it was, it was two things. It was, the program's not good and it hasn't shown any life and it's not going to get any better and fans aren't showing up. I, I, so I think in that regard, the only thing that made it maybe a difficult decision was, is it was only three years. But yeah, there's only one thing worse about or than fans complaining, not showing up. Apathy is, is an absolute fans killer. not caring. Yeah, that's an absolute killer. <laughs> it's an absolute killer. And, um, you know, I think that's why UNLV was able to spin a lot of things and put a lot of BS out there about number of wins and best win 11 win team because the fans that knew the most and cared the most were no longer there. Mm -hmm. So to call them out. Yeah, to call them out. And so they had very little resistance with the BS that they were spinning. And uh, it's unfortunate. It was, I could say, you, you know me, T. I mean, I guess I've been going to games since 85, 86. What was that 32, 33 years? Mm hmm. Without question, and it's not even close. And we're talking through the Raleigh years. Bano's first year. Bano's years. Through even the Gerg year with Klee and Howie. And this was the worst stretch of Rebel basketball that I've ever been forced. And I say forced to sit through. I'm forced because I'm a victim of my own idiocy. Right, right, right. Um, because I'll be God's honest truth. I would have made... A couple games. If I didn't have a streak, I would have made a couple games of the Menzies era. I would have went to the big games, which would have been about two in three years since he scheduled nobody. And I wouldn't have went because it was a waste of time. I mean, I hate saying that because kids pledge to play for your school. And and I, t I talked to you about this off air. One of the oddest things that I've seen happen with this year's team. I think I think when you coach, it's it's difficult to win. It's always difficult to win. But you need talent. And we could agree on that. It's hard to win without talent. There's no and, doubt. And if you if you don't have talent, you better have experience. Mm -hmm. If you have both, you're competing for championships. Or you better okay. have chemistry. Yeah. The other thing is, this. The, but this the, the hardest variables to control are team chemistry, because you got a bunch of knuckleheads, you got a bunch of holier than thou attitudes, elitism, and and all that. You know, self importance, and you know the Twitter hounds. They're just worried about that kind of crap. Yep. So team chemistry is very difficult. Getting a team that likes to play with each other, getting a team that plays hard all the time is very difficult. And Menzies got that out of these guys. Yeah. He was able to piece it together. This team, I don't care what anybody said, I didn't like the team. They they aggravated me because they couldn't make big players or whatever. But they, they cared. They played hard. Mm -hmm. They played absolutely hard. And they were, they were I, in terms of that, the effort, I, I'll, I'll give it up to them. Um, and they got along. You didn't. You didn't see shoulder shrugging or finger pointing. And and you know from from people I've talked to off the floor, they got along. They all got along. And so that's why it's kind of puzzling to me that we couldn't have more success because the talent may not have been great, but either was the Mountain West. There was enough talent that you should have been competing in the Mountain West, don't you think? There's no doubt. I mean, if we were ever so, going to compete in the Mountain West, it was going to be this year. Yeah. So I don't know where the I mean, there's major disconnect if you've got one part of it down completely, and the easy part you don't. So there, there was a disconnect, and it just, it was just, it just didn't work. I think we had talented kids. I 
low the, IQ. The, I think that the problem was they weren't great basketball players. No, I, I'll agree with that. I think the IQ was extremely low. Um, you, know, you know, you got a lot. And, of, and we, we got to a stretch in the season where <clears throat> after injuries, we just started jacking up threes. And that wasn't what was going to make us good. No, it wasn't. But we were also six and six when we weren't jacking up threes. True. <laughs> so it's not like we were having success when Juice was there. There's no doubt. You know. But uh, I think at some point in the season, it became, hey, guys, just have a good time out there. You know, let's try and focus on these yeah. these certain things. <clears> hey. <throat> There was just a lack of urgency. It's almost like he felt like he had a 20-year contract and he was able to grow into it. And there was never any real urgency. And I feel like with TJ, I felt I felt from the initial press conference, actions will speak louder than words, but from the initial pref, press conference, I felt like there's more of an urgency and an expectation to start winning mm-hmm. right out of the gate. And, and I found that refreshing instead of excuses. Speaking of urgency, yeah, um, I believe we play our... Spring football game this weekend. Okay. You you read about Presley, right? No, I didn't. ACL. Oh. Out for the year. That's a bummer. Yeah. We're, we're always getting receivers just. Can't uh, can't have a full stocked no. roster. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> no one's going to have as much urgency in the college football world this uh, year than uh, Tony Sanchez. Yeah. Well, he knows it, so he's got to deal with it. At least he knows what's on the table and it's it's going to be tougher scheduled than last year for sure mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens there i mean make it to a bowl make it to a bowl or at least be bowl eligible i mean if you're bowl eligible and you don't get selected you know it's kind of hard to get because it's not like a big bowl is going to pick us so that was that was my football thoughts for the night. Oh, okay that's good enough for football we could talk about the kicking game that's that's a joke. Um, but uh, I did want to say that I did want to say uh, absolutely positively um, congratulations to one of my very favorite players I've ever watched in person, Larry Johnson, for getting elected to yeah. the uh, College Basketball Hall of Fame. I thought I'm surprised it didn't happen. I'm, How did it not happen sooner? I don't know why it, it should have happened about 25 years. I just ago. figured he was already in the Hall of Fame. Well, what they do say. Hey, look at the Zion guy. He's kind of like Larry. Hey, let's let's get Larry Johnson in there because you know. But Lute Olson yes. in the same class. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's overdue. Um, Larry deserves it. And um, I did want to ask you a question. Twenty nine years ago today, at about this very moment, what were you doing? Ugh. I could tell you exactly where I was right now. I know I was celebrating. I was on Maryland Parkway across from UNLV. Drinking. Uh, a uni- I was in between Harmon and what's the next road over there? But r- right there, right in front of the, the student union. Yeah, in, well, in front of the university. Just beer bottles flying all over the place. Everybody screaming and hooping and hollering and celebrating the 103-73 to 73 victory over Duke. 29 years. 29 years ago today. Isn't that some crap? That's a long time ago. I would have never thought we'd have seen what we just saw after seeing that. <laughs> that that couldn't have even entered your brain. No, it, it it you know you felt like when when that happened we were invincible. We were we were what Duke became, mm-hmm. and that was our rightful place in college basketball for the rest of my life. Yep. And God damn it, I wish I wouldn't have taken it for granted. Honestly, yeah. I wish I would have. I would have. You know, but you're 18 at the time. 
20 at the time, you know, you, you see the world a little bit differently and you don't cherish, um, you don't savor it as much as you should. You enjoy the hell out of it, but you don't realize in the grand scheme of things how fortunate you actually are mm-hmm. and how easily it could fall apart. And well, and, and just think even the next year, the emotion that was spent uh, of how disappointing that was. Just think about that compared to this year, you know, where a loss was nothing. Well, that that's apathy. That's pure apathy. Well, when the game, I mean, losses at Thomas and Mac didn't hurt me, and they didn't keep me up at night. They didn't. Well, I hope wake not, because there was uh, too many of them. Twenty-seven of them in the last three years at home. Yeah. So, and it hurts that it doesn't hurt. If that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it, it just makes you really miserable that it doesn't bother you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I just don't like the feeling. And and we we need to get something back. Um, some good news tonight. Um, UNLV did get an actual verbal commitment from um, John Antonio, oh, good. the JUCO player from, um, I think South Plains College. Uh, yeah, he's, by, by way of Australia. And started his career at Mount St. Mary's, right, uh, right in my neck of the woods, back uh, just over the Maryland border from Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, Big time three point shooter, shot forty one percent this past year. Six foot five. Yeah, uh, he's supposed to be a good defender, actually, too. I, I, I'll take as many shooters as we can get. And when, when you start running down the other players, he's looking at. I think you mentioned them earlier, like um, Caleb, Caleb Grill. Grill and David Jenkins. Um, th- real good three point shooters. Um, I do know that T T J has made Moani um, Wilkinson at Gorman. An absolute local priority. Um, he's a kid that hasn't blown up yet, but is expected to. Part of the reason is, I believe he's class of 2020, but right now he's only 16 years old, so he's kind of a great ahead. Usually players do it the opposite way. Yeah, you know, he'd be a freshman this year instead of um, a freak athlete, like a 41 inch vertical, a um, little bit undersized. Um, okay, but. You know, it, it's nice. He's he. I know he's made a real concerted effort. I talked to some other coaches that he's reaching out to everybody in the valley. Um, I do believe that in the end, UNLV will end up getting four star Julian Strother Ooh. from uh, Liberty. So and, that's and, good. Some yeah. Good news. So, uh, but I, uh, what I know is uh, TJ's hit the valley hard. He's absolutely making it a priority to get everybody that. You know, there's some players that are too good. Like we have this kid Nick's at Trinity. Um, he's blue chip all the way. I mean, he's been offered by Kentucky and I mean, you know, if he's got no shot at a kid like that, but, um, those next level players, you, you know, uh, he's making an effort. He's out there. Um, from the people I've talked to, they like him. He, he engages well. Um, he's down to earth. He's real. He has a vision. Um, you know, he's got to show it all on the court. Mm-hmm. So, but at least he's, um, making the rounds and, and we'll see if he can get some of these local kids to stay home. So, uh, speaking of getting kids to stay, uh, mm. how, ma- how many do you think will end up staying from this past team? It, it just was a domino uh, in the week after the firing of Marvin. I, I, just every player, I'm transferring, I'm transferring, I'm transferring, I'm transferring. Uh, I know that the NCAA is a little bit different nowadays where you just put your name in a transfer pool, and at that point you can be contacted by other coaches. Right. Um, and you could still come back to the school sure. if you want. Yeah, yeah. You're just a free agent, basically. Yep. And uh, But I'll be real interested to see, A, how many people 
he attempts to get back, right. and B, how many actually uh, come back, decide yeah. to come back. That would be interesting. If I was a player, I didn't. If I was a player, even though I'm, if if I played for UNLV and I'm a UNLV fan, I think the smart move is to put your name on the portal no matter what. Yes, absolutely, because this is your future. This is your life. You need to make the best decisions for you. This and, and this things is, are uncertain here. Yeah, and that's not a shot against TJ, and it's not. You know, I'm, they're not putting their name in the portal because they're loyal to Menzies. They're right. looking out for their future. Sure. How, how many do we hold on to? I think we'll hold on to Hardy for sure. Okay. Um, which is big. I seriously doubt we'll get in Tom way back, and I think that will really hurt because I think he's got he's a kid that's going to play for money in the future if he gets coached up and once mm-hmm. he learns the game. Um, I think we have a good shot at um, Mbaka Zhang. What yeah. Do you think about him? Yeah, I think we got a good shot at him. I think JTT we got a shot at. Um, Trey's gonna stay. Juicen's gone. Juicen gone. Yeah, for I, sure. I, not, not for sure. He hasn't announced anywhere. But I even got phone calls with from. No, I'll talk to you off air. Um, schools that wanna, you know, take him. And and I think out of everybody, there's no person that should look to leave more than Juicen. Yeah. He's got one year left. He's 23 years old. He's got to make it um, count. He's got to make it count. So, I mean, for him, hats off to you. You played your ass off while you were here at UNLV. Yeah. Um, he, he, you, he, he was a good teammate, you, too. You got to do what you got to do, kid. Um, you, you know, you, I don't hold that. I don't hold it against anybody if they transfer. You don't like it as a fan. I do think we'll keep um, Hamilton. Okay. Um, so, I think I think we'll have a little bit left, you know. And, and as far as the rest, not to be mean, I just don't know what you do want to hold on to when you start talking the extended bench. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get the good green. So, do you really want Jay Green? You're not gonna. Well, it, is Georgie really helping you? Is Ben Coupe really helping you? If he wants to play four guards out and, and one, one big in, in yeah. uh, I don't know where those <clears throat> power forward and uh, well, you like say that. Georgie or, or Coupe fit. Yeah, but somebody like a. Now we know Beck was in the doghouse. I thought Beck was going to be one of the wild card. Beck players. could be interesting. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a wild card player for this year's team. I thought he was going to be a big contributor, and by the amount of minutes he played, which was next almost as many as I played, um, he's obviously in the doghouse. So that's up to um, TJ to figure out. You know, put him through some workouts, see where his work ethic is, his weight, what what his um, commitment is, and, mm-hmm. and if if he buys it. You take the kid back because he had talent. Okay, he's not he's not a world beater, but he's certainly a Mountain West talent, and he's a big that could extend the floor. He's Matt Which Shaw, which could be right up his he, alley. Yeah, he's he's Matt Shaw basically, mm-hmm. but a little bit better with the mid range and inside than Matt Shaw was. Not quite the three point shooter. Not quite, not quite. But Matt, Matt was a good three point shooter. Yeah, but that's all he did. Okay. No, I, I, so, it, it'll be interesting. And, uh, you know, he's got to re-recruit all these kids that he wants to have in the program. Um, the interesting thing is if you're in the program and you want to stay and you have the scholarship, do you think he pushes you out still? I think he has to. Okay. I think he has to. I mean, if you're a coach and you want to win, let's face it, Menzies had a ton of dead weight. <laughs> And when I say a ton, I'm almost being literal. All right, a half ton. Half he had a, ton. He had, a, he had a thousand pounds of dead weight on that team. He had four or five wasted scholarships. Georgie, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to name names, but we know oh, okay. they didn't play and they're on scholarship and they've been on scholarship for years. And they were healthy. And well, no, I mean, 
Coupe was healthy. Um, Georgie got hurt again. Um, Dembele got hurt again. I believe Beck was healthy. Beck was healthy. But he, there's dead weight. We, we, we carried too many players that didn't contribute. And, right. And I think you got to say, I'll help you find a, a home. I'll help you find a place you could play. If Marvin goes somewhere as an assistant or even a head coach at a smaller school or whatever, maybe you go play for him, help him out, what, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But if... He's trying to build a program here. I, I think your loyalty has to be to the fans. Yes, to win. To and, win and, and win the fan, You have to get him back. That, that's his first order of business, honestly. And, and he sounded good in the press conference with that. I'm going to come up to me in the restaurant, come up to my wife, come up to my children. We want to meet you all. We want to talk to you. We're going to be out in the public. We're going to go to games. We're going to go to hockey games. We're going to go to events. And um, and I think that's what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hope that's his natural personality. It seems like it because that's hard to do if it's yeah, not if your it's personality. Fake, then... Yeah, people will see through it, and mm-hmm. then they'll be like, oh, "Look at this shyster. We got to use car salesman again." Yeah, you know. I mean, I use car salesman not again. Not again. The yeah. first time. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> first time for everything. Um, I don't know. So. I don't want to say the the hire didn't blow me away by any stretch, but it's leaving me curious and it's leaving me um, somewhat intrigued to see what's going to unfold in front of our eyes. I mean, there's always some excitement with a clean slate. You know, this is the first hire that we've had since probably Bano where... I have no idea what we're getting. Yeah, I'll agree with that completely. Actually, I mean, we knew Marv as assistant here. Yeah, so we we had an idea, and, and we had a track record at New yeah, Mexico. We, we knew what to expect, right? Um, David, D- D- we, Dave, we, only because we, we knew him, right? But if, if you didn't know him, you okay? That's yeah, fair. You know, uh, Spoon had a long track record. Yeah, Kruger lived up to everything in his right. Uh, Bano, Bano was an unknown. Bano was completely... Well, all we knew about him is he was going to recruit his ass off. Right. And, and he did that. He met that and expectation. He was young. And he was young. Um, I, I love the fact that uh, Otzelberger has has been around the block. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shown that he can recruit at big-time schools. Um, his and, then, assistant. and then he's went and was a head coach and he played a very exciting style. So that's all we really know. His assistants are going to be huge. Yes. His hires are going to be huge. When, when do you think we find that I out? think it's going to be very soon because he needs to get some players in here. Some of them might be able to pull. Like, I'm not going to play the, the naive game here. Mm-hmm. You know, Assistant coaches leave. They're able to pull players. That's just the way it works. They're attached to certain players they were recruiting. So he needs to get some people in here that can recruit. I'd, not even necessarily coach. He mm-hmm. needs players at this point. To fill out a roster, a competitive roster, because if these pieces fall as well as they possibly could, there's no reason with the level that the Mountain West is at, especially if, if Musselman leaves, mm-hmm. that UNLV can't be in the top three or four sure. of the conference in, a, in their first year. My big question is, is he going to be a great X and O's guy or is he just going to be a recruiter? See, that's, that's the type well, of the thing unknown is, piece that I have no idea. Of. Well, when, and I only watched, like I said, a little bit of the Jack rabbits play, but 
when, when you're running that type of offense, there's a certain precision and timing involved with it. It's not just jack it up like what we were doing. We set a high ball screen, and we'd make a play off the high ball screen. No, they worked the ball around. That's what I'm saying. So you're shot. saying, can he do X's and O's? Offensively, it appears that that way. He's getting a lot of open three-point shots. So right. that's X's and O's. Are you going to get players that could execute? That's one thing because they don't all execute. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes a certain level of discipline as a player to, to get off those types of shots and, and run the plays as they're intended. So defensively is a question mark for me just because they've given up a lot of points and uh, I don't know how strong the philosophy is. We'll see. We'll see. He promised they won't be outworked, um, you know, that they're going to dive after balls and they're going to be the hardest working team. And again, he said, we'll, we'll prove it. I don't expect you to take my word right. for it. We'll prove it. And, you know, we have enough fans that you know, we're not a stupid fan base. We're, like you said, we may be delusional. We may. But we know good basketball. We know good basketball, and, and we know how it's supposed to be played, and we know bullshit when we see it, and we know good, hard, you know, mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. So I don't, th- I mean, I don't get that vibe from him that he's going to try to smoke screen us. So I just want to see what he puts out there. And, and the key to me is. Um, Developing an identity and enjoying seeing that identity develop over time and seeing improvement working towards that identity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You you just, you want to know, you you want to be able to envision and fantasize in your head of what this team may become because you see a certain thing in front of you. And um, with with Menzies, it was just sort of a glob. You never never knew which way it was going to go or what we were going to become. That's that's what I want to see. I want to enjoy growth, and I want to see tangible growth year to year. Mm -hmm. And if I I, I think if you see that as a fan, even somebody as impatient as me, and I will readily admit that I am a pain-in-the-ass fan, and I am impatient, and I can be unreasonable. I I don't have a problem admitting that. Um, But if I do see growth, reasons for hope without grasping at actual straws, mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I, I could live with it. Just keep working towards that goal. Show us that you're doing it. May, you know, don't don't spin numbers to make it seem like it's happening when it's not. Give us hope. Let me see it. Give us hope. Give us a reason to show up and be loud every game. That's yeah. it. I I mean, that's... I know I know I'm a pain in the ass, but I, I don't think that's asking too much, to be honest. But then again, I'm not a tree hugger, so... You know, kumbaya, my lord. Ooh. You know, everything's wonderful in the world. Just, hey, we beat, we beat, <laughs> you know, St. Catharines by 14 points. It's a double-digit win. It's a good win. Hey, we'll we, take it. We beat San Jose on the road. Every win on the road is a good win. Stop it. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. I, oh. You know me, T. Blunt, honest, idiot, whatever. I think we're going to have some fun. I think so, too. Until we don't. I, I really do. I, my, my rebel bones say there's fun around the corner. I'm hoping. So hopefully we'll, we'll get a, a chance to catch up with him at some point and, and pick his brain and, and mm-hmm. learn, you know, a little bit of what makes him tick and, and what he's seeing. Um, that, that'd, be, that'd be a good yeah. time to meet him. I, uh, I, I think you could get in there and. The dude's a mystery to me. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that makes it even better when you that go, makes when it you fun. when you go in to talk to him. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we should set something up. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know when we'll get back to this. Um, 
Well, episode Man, 84 could be coming soon. It, it, it could be. I mean, we'll, we'll probably, I'd assume we'd let the roster round out a little bit, let the schedule come in mm-hmm. so we could start looking ahead, uh, let the rest of the chips at fall the, as they at may At least the conference. roster where we can come back and kind of break down starters and reserves. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll allow them to play in desert rain. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah. And, and we'll, I, I we'll know Bjorn the, would be happy. Yeah. I ran into his brother the other day. I told you about that. Um, they're still doing that that type of thing, but the players haven't been playing. Maybe this is something that uh, may, maybe Otzelberger will see it as an opportunity for fans to come out and see some of his guys mm-hmm. work over the summer, and he'll get a couple of them to play because the fans here are thirsty. They are. They they want anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marv didn't give access to practice. He didn't give access to much. No, no, he was very secretive. I think there was a reason for that. I mean, you want to know the truth? You want to know what the first thing that turned me off was? What do you think it was? Him kicking Hank out of practice? Well, I didn't like that. I thought that was Bush League. But um, um, pulling the games off the stream. The stream on the 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 foreign foreign trip trip in Puerto Rico. Right there it said to me, I'm hiding everything I'm doing. I don't want anybody to know. And I'm going to try to fool the people with trickery. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of didn't sit well. And then it just kind of grew from there. (laughs) It just became, look, we got 20 wins. We got 20 wins. We got 20 wins. God, stop it. Stop it. On that note, we do have a cheeseburger in paradise. Oh, you know, I got to fire it up first. I like mine with lettuce and tomato. Heinz. Kosher pickle. French fried potato. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon. Later.